On today's episode, we're going to rank the top five at every position in the NFL. We'll just group the O-line guys together. Sorry, you guys get hosed again. We'll do it with Shio Kapadia, who is terrific. Uh, we'll listen to his rankings before you listen to mine. The Jalen Brown extension just happened. We'll touch on that if there's more news uh, coming up on Thursday because it happened just as we were taping. And of course, life advice. Enjoy. It's the Ryan Russillo podcast presented by FanDuel. The road to the NBA final starts now, and FanDuel is the best place to get in on the action. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Quick bets, which are back and better than ever for the NBA playoffs and FanDuel. Find what you're looking for faster and easier with more props right at your fingertips. You can check out live bets like three-minute markets and exclusive live bets like quarter player props, player assist combos, and more. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of the NBA. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming, so please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode. For additional details, must be 21 and older, 18 plus in DC, and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or visit rg help.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday. I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. Okay, getting you ready for the 2023 NFL season. That's right, we're talking rankings in July. What else are we going to do during this downtime? Shil Kapadia, who is terrific on the NFL. We have him on all the time. I love the guy's work. Here is the plan. We are going to go through all the positional groups here. We're going to do quarterbacks, receivers, running backs, tight ends, the O-line groups, and then on the defensive side of the ball, we're going to go edge, interior defensive linemen, corners, safeties, off-ball linebackers. We're going to rank our top five. And it's not fantasy, although in some of the cases it could be, but it's more about who you are right now and where we think you stand in the game going into next season and what you'd expect to get out of this player for next season. Shield Kapadia, who joins us. Uh, who's terrific uh, and big fan. We have him on all the time. So uh, what's up to you, man? How's it going? Doing well. I felt like uh, the exercise here, I felt like you guys picking your all NBA where it sort, of, it sort of pains you. I listened to your podcast and I'm like, man, they're really stressing over this. That, that's what I felt like doing this exercise we're going to do today. Yeah. If you think I struggle with some of the NBA stuff, uh, there's definitely a couple groups here where I'm like, okay, you know, I can look it all up. I can read different stuff and, and thoughts on it. But um, let's just get it started. We'll go through quarterbacks, receivers, running backs. Uh, we'll do offensive line unit and then tight end. And then on the defensive side, we're going to do edge guys, the interior guys, corners, safeties, and the off the ball linebackers. And then we'll use, you know, a couple of different things. I looked at some of the pro football focus stuff. Uh, there was a really good piece from Jeremy Fowler on ESPN, getting quotes from executives and then just kind of putting together all those, all those hours of watching these games. All right. Let's start with the headliners, quarterbacks. I'll just have you bring us in, and then I'll kind of give you my five after you're done. All right? Okay. I've got uh, I got Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Herbert, and Hertz, and there were 
probably three guys who three other guys. So I was like, oh, I kind of because this is looking to this year, right? Who are we not like past performance? This is for 2023, not for the next 10 years. At least that's how I did it. Uh, those were my five guys. Yeah, I've got the same five. Uh, really? Mahomes is a no-brainer. Yeah. The only difference is I have Allen over Burrow. If you want to tell me arm and the running attack that Allen provides you that Burrow doesn't, not that Burrow can't run the football, but just Allen one-on-one to the pylon against a defensive player, like Allen's going to win that more often than maybe almost any quarterback other than Lamar who would win in a different way. Uh, that's I went with that even though I, you know, I wouldn't, argue I wouldn't sit here and say that's insane to have Burrow ahead of Allen I think Herbert's the one where he's kind of like an NBA player who's been an all-star for seven straight years and he's got his max and he's lost in the second round of the playoffs and that would be a lot for Herbert but it the tide really felt like it was turning on him publicly where it's like oh if this guy's so good but then it's like you know that's really more of a social media commentary with him where all of a sudden like because he hasn't won in the playoffs, despite every single person that works in this league that seems to think he's terrific, uh, or, or for whatever fan base that maybe thinks their guy's ahead of him, I'd always ask, so if you traded for him and he was your starter week one, you'd be bummed out? Uh, and the answer we know is no. You could get into it a little deeper where his yards per attempt were the third lowest in the NFL, um, and, the, and the names you know that he's down there with are pretty like uninspiring quarterbacks, but he faced 258 pressures last season, which is the second most since ESPN started tracking it. So 2009. So it could be even worse if we we track that number. So I'm with you on that. And it's funny because I went into it, Shield, thinking like with Hertz, I go, am I going to put him top five after just one special year? And I still think it's the right answer, which, you know, I was surprised. I went into it going, I know I'm going to catch shit because I don't think I'm going to put him top five. But I think he's there, even though my rule would be to be that guy, you kind of have to have done it for a couple seasons. But I think it's the right, the right answer, despite going into it, thinking that I wasn't going to come up with him. Yeah, I think you're, first of all, right about the Herbert fatigue. And I don't think it is just social media. Like I have friends who I know will crush me that I have Herbert over Hertz in this exercise. I, I mean, it, I'm with you, though. Like you watch him and you're just like, it's going to happen eventually. He's still young enough. Everything is there. The arm, he doesn't turn the ball over. He's athletic enough. He's smart. He's accurate. His OC got killed last year, Joe Joe Lombardi, uh, with the Chargers because that yards per attempt number you quoted, he had the third shortest just uh, average distance on his throws. And you watch him, and when he unleashes one 40 yards downfield, you're watching and you're going, why do they not do this more? And it's so frustrating. And part of that was, was like you mentioned, they had O-line injuries last year. I think this is sort of a no excuses year for Herbert. I mean, that offensive line is really good this year. That's a top 10 offensive line. They draft Quentin Johnson. They've still got Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. They've got the new OC and Kellen Moore, who if you look at Kellen Moore with the Cowboys, they produce top five offenses basically whenever Dak Prescott was healthy. So, uh, I think it's all there for Herbert. It hasn't happened yet. I understand the Herbert fatigue. You want him to be better than uh, 25 and 24 as a starter. You want him to do something in the playoffs, but I still have him there. And then Hurts, I'm with you. I kind of had the same thing. I was actually debating him and Trevor Lawrence, honestly. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a monster season uh, this year. And that's another guy who you're going off really half a season uh, of work last year and the playoffs. But Hurts, the 
small body of work is also a reason to kind of put him up there because he's improved. He improved so much year to year. I mean, I think people would be surprised. He completed 67% of his passes last year. He had the lowest interception rate in the NFL, and he's already one of the best rushing quarterbacks we've ever seen. And he's, what, 24 years old, has all the pieces around him. So uh, I think we made the right call uh, get, getting him in there at number five. Okay, so that means, and by the way, on that Herbert stat, you're right. That's air yards per attempt. That was the third lowest in the NFL. So it's not just yards per attempt if I misspoke yeah. when I said that the first time um, because that actually could be more concerning because that's a, that's a number that usually tells you some truths with quarterbacks. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, both not in our top five. Thoughts? Yeah. I- yeah, I mean, just like I think, I think the Jets. I I'm sort of getting to a point where I'm a little bullish on the Jets, where where I think they can uh, make the playoffs, and I think he's going to be fine. I think he was playing injured last year. I don't think he's top five. I think the Jets kind of need him to be like top twelve, top fifteen with the defense they have and some of the talent they have at wide receiver. I mean, I'm just not going to bet on a quarterback who's in his age 40 season to be a top five quarterback, even if he is kind of uh, an all-timer. So uh, that that was the only reason I I left him out. But I I think he can be pretty good this year, actually. Yeah, I think the Trevor Lawrence call for you, like I didn't think I'd have him in my top five either. Uh, I don't. I'm fine with it. And it's like, wait, if we're going to give Lawrence all of this credit for his season, then Hertz wins that tiebreaker if it were even a tie, but it wasn't really even a tie for me. The only other name, there's two things that I want to bring up on this, is that I still hold out hope that Deshaun Watson, as a football player, like there's no way that's who he was in 2022. There's no possible way for a guy that I thought was easily top five when you considered how bad that team was in Houston towards the end and what he still did. Like he really was carrying a football team where you'd be like, wait, they're still in this. And so I still think he has a chance to get back to that. I, I cannot, I won't let myself believe that he's as bad as the guy that we saw last year. Yeah, it was a six game sample. Now, he was legitimately statistically like one of the five worst quarterbacks in the league, but it's a six game sample last year. I left him out just because, like, I kind of want to see it at this point. I mean, it's been, yeah. what, three? It's been three years since he's been on the field as a very good quarterback. And so I'm with you. He's still young enough. He still has the tools. I just w- wasn't willing to go there. And then the other guy was, you know, Lamar Jackson, we haven't brought up yet. To me, just kind of the durability of having missed 10 games over the last two seasons combined with the inconsistencies there uh, in the passing game that they've had. Now, they're, they're hopeful that the new coordinator will help that too. He was the other guy I thought about. And then the last one was just Dak. I still think Dak Prescott is a really, really uh, good quarterback, even without the playoff success. Uh, but I wasn't willing to have him above any of those guys in the top five. Yeah, Lamar, I was never thinking I would have him fifth. Uh, but if somebody goes, hey, seventh, I'm, I'm not going to say that he's wrong. So when we yeah. wait on Sandoz quarterback tier column that comes out, you know, it'll... It'll be an outrage once again when he's like sixth or seventh. And it's like, I don't really think it's that outrageous. It's actually a huge compliment. Um, but when you put together some of the MVP stuff that he's done, you're like, well, wait a minute, how many guys? And I, I think everybody's kind of settled on this and it just turns into a bit of an outrage. Final thought on the quarterback stuff. When I was looking at the PFF rankings, we are in a weird spot with the bottom third. Like When you start to look at the depth of the position, and part of this is inflated just because of the way the game is played now, the way the game is officiated, where middle of the pack statistical quarterbacks are putting up absurd numbers. 
But if you look at the bottom third of this league going into this season with the quarterbacks, it feel like it, it feels like it got really bad really quickly. Or I guess the way you could explain it is that the guys that we didn't know about, we know about now. You know, the the unknown lets you think there's a chance this person could be really good. So you could look at like five totally unproven quarterbacks and still have hope for them. When you look at the way some of these rankings break down from like 20 on down, you're like, man, this is a really, it feels like it's going into the season as a really bad bottom third. They had Fields ranked 18th, which, you know, obviously is a huge bump because of how amazing he is running the football. But, you know, that does not last. That doesn't turn you into a franchise quarterback. I know he has lofty goals for himself here, but just looking at the position, I was like, man, it feels like it got really bad in the bottom third here, which could mean we could have a lot of new starters going into 2024. All right, wide receiver. Uh, go ahead. Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, A.J. Brown. That one I think might surprise people that I have him at three. Uh, Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill are my five. I will say wide receiver and corner. I don't know how you felt. Those were the two that I was just like, man, you could you could probably name 12 to 15 guys uh, who, who deserve to be in there. But those were the five that I settled on. And then I have a bunch that I, I just left off. Okay, so I also you know, pick the brains of a few people here. And I'm telling you, football players seem to love Devontae Adams. Yeah. And that influenced my pick for it. Uh, if he goes for 100 receptions and 1,300 yards this year, it'll be four straight seasons with it. The only other receiver to ever do it is Marvin Harrison. So, you know, to just pencil in, oh, if he goes for 100 and 1,300 again, this is the guy. Uh, that's not entirely fair to the other wide receivers. But the combination of what he did with the quarterbacks in Vegas, um, the size, the route running part of it, which I think Jefferson is considered the most elite of the group. But I went Adams. I went Jefferson, too. I mean, he's at 4,800-plus yards his first three years, which is an NFL record, and that's with Thielen dropping off, although you could argue Thielen's numbers dropped off because they could just throw it to Jefferson every time. Uh, I like Jamar Chase better than Jefferson. I probably, no one's going to agree with me on that one. I like that he brings a little bit more of a, a well-rounded thing as far as like the physical nature of it, but he also missed five games of the hip injury. Uh, you could get on him for the drops a little bit against Jefferson. Um, some lost fumbles if you really wanted a nitpick of it all. So I ended up putting him third because I thought it was kind of the right thing, but I think like going into a year, if I knew both were going to be healthy, I'd rather have Jamar. I put Tyreek fourth and I have Diggs fifth. So I don't have AJ. So give us your AJ Brown breakdown. Yeah, I mean, AJ Brown last year, uh, almost 1,500 yards. If you look at all the advanced stuff, yards per route run, he's top five over the last three years. He's 26 years old. And to me, like, he doesn't get talked about as a well-rounded receiver. You think, oh, he's just a physical specimen who's working the middle of the field. He's averaged 16 and a half yards per reception over the last four seasons. That's second in the entire NFL. That's more than Tyreek Hill. He, he averaged 17 yards per reception last year where he was just an incredible downfield threat where G there would be plays drawn up where on the chalkboard, they would be to Jalen Hurts. Like if they're covering AJ like this, do not throw the ball off. And Hurts would be like, it's all good. Throws it up and AJ Brown makes a play and kind of just put the offense uh, on his back and stretches. So uh, great on slants. 
great downfield, great over the middle, great yards after the catch. And to me, the only reason I had Devontae Adams fourth was he's 30 years old uh, this year. A.J. Brown is only 26. So um, that was my case for him. I had Diggs just off, so so we're not that uh, far off with it. I had him sixth. I love uh, Stefan Diggs. He's another guy who's turning 30 in November. So I just ended up going with the younger guy. Yeah, I think the Tyreek thing's always kind of interesting because you can argue like nobody lines up and scares people more than Tyreek. And it's funny too because some of the other, you know, discussion around him would be he's not as polished as all the other guys. It's like, well, he doesn't have to be. Everyone's so scared of him. They play off of him. He doesn't, like, he doesn't need the route tree that every other receiver needs because you're just scared to death. So, um, I had to have him in my top five, even though I don't know that anybody puts him down as number one, uh, even if you feel like he tilts the field more than any guy out there. All right. Uh, For running backs, I just picked five more wide receivers. (laughs) All right. Who do you got? (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, All right. I'll uh, I'll go first on this one. I think it's kind of funny when you when you break it down. You're like, I guess Nick Chubb is the best running back in the NFL. Um, well, there's a look on your face there that tells me you're going to think differently. <laughs> I guess I'll just go. Nick Chubb, McCaffrey, Saquon, Derrick Henry, and I'm going to put Eckler in that five spot. Okay. We've got three of the same five. Uh, I've got McCaffrey first. Now, this is really like scheme dependent. If you're asking me who's the best ball carrier, it is it is Nick Chubb. The guy is an absolute beast. Last three years, leads the NFL in runs of 10 plus yards, runs of 20 plus yards, top five in yards after contact. He's so fun to watch. His like lower body is just powerful. He's ripping through uh, defenders. So I love Nick Chubb. I just had him two uh, instead of one. I had McCaffrey uh, first. And then three, four, five, I might surprise you. I got Bijan Robinson. Uh, number three, running back's a young man's game. You know, you come in, you take the league by storm. I'm not going to play play scared here uh, on this. I got Bijan already at number three. I got Saquon number four. And then I think sometimes we forget about the guys that were just in, injured. I've got Jonathan Taylor uh, number five. I think he has a chance to come and uh, bounce back and play really well this year. Still only 24 years old. So I wanted to get Derrick Henry in because I'm just like, all right, we're all going to talk every year about how Derrick Henry can't do it again. And he does it again. He's going to be like 37 years old, still doing this. So I wanted to get him in there. Uh, Eckler is absolutely a worthy choice. Josh Jacobs, Aaron Jones, those were the guys who I kind of had uh, just missed the cut. But my five are McCaffrey, Chubb, Bijan Robinson, Saquon Barkley, and Jonathan Taylor. I wouldn't have even had McCaffrey like top five if it weren't for the San Francisco thing because of the injury history. It just, yeah, I couldn't do it anymore. Um, and even though with Shanahan's scheme, I get what you're saying, but you know, I just was, I was off of him. And then, you know, he reminds you of, of why he can be so dynamic if you use him, you know, to the, the best of you know, his abilities. Uh, Chubb, his yards per carry is now number two all-time behind Jamal Charles wow. for running backs. Uh, <laughs> now there's an old-school like foot uh, fullback linebacker hybrid uh, that technically ranks ahead of them. I think you're going to go back to, I don't know, like the 50s or something. Uh, Saquon, three. I think a lot of people think Saquon is the best running back in the NFL, and I'm, I'm just not quite there with it. Like Chubb, I, I didn't think I'd have Chubb first. I think Chubb probably suffers from like some of the more dynamic visual stuff you know, that can get you really excited. But like when I think about running backs and, and part of the problem for them is I just don't feel like guys turn the corner and get outside in today's game the way they used to when we grew up. 
like that exciting, just turning the corner, having everybody sealed off. Like, I just don't think there's enough room. I think there's too much speed on defense to see that consistently. So looking for that, that home run threat all the time at running back, I just, I just don't know that it's there the way we're always expecting it to be. So Henry, I had to have, uh, even if people think he slipped, look at the numbers from last year. And that's without a starting quarterback for a good chunk of it. And then I just think the combination, even though Eckler's a little bit older than Jacobs, you know, there's a lot of love for Jacobs out there on a lot of the preseason stuff. Uh, Eckler's combination of what he is and how steady he is the entire time. There's just no way I could have him outside of the top five. Yeah, Jacobs had seven more, 700 more yards from scrimmage last year than he had in any other season in his career. So again, this is about looking ahead to this season. I mean, he had so many touches, what almost 400 touches last year. And we, we've learned by now running backs coming off those seasons is just going to be tough uh, to stay healthy there. I'm with you on Saquon. I mean, you mentioned the McCaffrey injury stuff, and that's absolutely valid the previous two seasons before last year. It's valid with Saquon too. You know, he played a total of what, 28 games the previous three seasons before last year. And, and his numbers are really interesting because there's a there is a boomer bust to uh, Barkley's game. Now, I don't mind that. Like, I like a, a running back who, who is a home run hitter. But if you just look at like there's a stat called success rate that just looks at like how often you produce a positive play. He's like bottom 10 among running backs. He's not that guy who's consistently, you know, he, he's going to take uh, tackles for loss and he's going to get those one or two yard gains. But the thing is, there's always that chance that in the third quarter, he has a 57 yard run that absolutely changes the game. So uh, it is different styles. It's kind of it's different from uh, Nick Chubb and some of these other guys. All right, tight end. This uh, this is another one of those groups you feel like it's number one. This is a lot like linebacker for me. Uh, there's number one and then there's everybody else. So. Uh, I imagine it's going to be kind of similar here. So go ahead and lead us off. Yeah, I have Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, Mark Andrews, Dallas Goddard, and I put Kyle Pitts as uh, as number five. Okay, we actually have the same four in order too. So Kelsey's a no-brainer. I've seen some love for Andrews above Kittle. Uh, Kittle now is seven plus yards per catch, which leads all tight ends since he entered the league in 2017. He had only 86 targets compared to Andrew's 113 targets. Now, we can just get into a circular argument about this the whole time. It's like, okay, but look at the receivers for Baltimore and the fact that you know Andrew's is the guy in the red zone. I mean, I love him. And the other part that I think people used to kind of argue maybe Kittle a little closer to Kelsey in previous years was just because Kittle's blocking. When you really hone in on him and watch him block, he's a madman. Like he'll seal the edge and he gets out on the second level and he goes and looks to destroy somebody else. But then when you look at the blocking grades for Andrews, like it's it's also great. It's maybe just not as chaotic looking. So maybe he doesn't get his no, enough credit for it. So there's a bit of a push there for Andrews. I just think there's a, a level of playmaking that Kittle has in him. Some of the yards after the catch stuff, some of those plays where he's breaking it wide open and he's doing it with three quarterbacks last year, which I would say at this point, none of them I'm in love with. So it just seems to be no matter what. And again, from the target standpoint, like he's not going to have, it's kind of like a corner being targeted. Like you can look at some corner stats and go, well, this guy doesn't get the ball thrown to him nearly as much as some of the other guys do. So some of the other ball hawking stuff, he's just going to suffer in comparison. We're just looking at the stat line. So uh, we're on the same page there with Kittle. Um, I've got Dallas fourth and I want Darren Waller fifth. I know he's missed 14 games the last two seasons, but from just a matchup, and worrying about somebody, and even going into just this year, I know with the injury history, he's getting dinged all over the place. But when it came to fifth, it's like, okay, Pitts, 
we talent wise, Pitts could be are you know fighting for two or three in this thing. Uh, Friar Muth, who I who I do really like and is really steady. Yeah. But when I started kind of naming those guys, I'm like, I'm just going to go back to Waller despite the injury part of it. Because when he's right, I mean, he's in that top, top group as far as his playmaking in the passing game. Yeah, if you could guarantee me Waller was going to be healthy, I'd absolutely have him in there. He's just 31 years old and coming off two uh, injury mark seasons. But if he's healthy, he's going to lead their team in receiving yards. I mean, he could lead. Uh, Kelsey would still be the favorite, but he could certainly be second among tight ends in receiving yards. So yeah, they're they're counting on a big year from him. They didn't really, the Giants didn't really make huge moves at wide receiver. Like we all looked at it last year and go, that was a nice start. Now they're going to build up, you know, on the outside. And now you look at their depth chart, you're like, all right, they have like a like seven. 100 slot receivers and Darren Waller. So there, there's going to be a lot on uh, Waller's plate there. Kyle Pitts, disappointing last year, coming off an injury. I just, I'm like, he's too, he's too talented. He turns 23. He's going to get healthy. I don't, you know, love their quarterback situation, but I, I kind of snuck him in there. And I think you nailed it with Kittle. I mean, if you just look at like, like yards per route run, which, you know, counts all right, how often is he going out in a route versus blocking? He's first. He actually is better than Kelsey in the last three years. So when he gets those opportunities, he makes the most of them. And uh, I kind of toss those grades aside a little bit with the, like, I still think he's, he is the blocker uh, at tight end. I would say him and Goddard are the two guys on this list who are really good uh, blockers. So uh, yeah, I think we're pretty much on the same page there. TJ Hawkinson probably deserves a little bit uh, of a shout out. I was kind of surprised by looking at some of his numbers and uh Fryermuth, I'm with you. I was like, wait, he had 700 over 700 yards last year. Like I know he's one of those guys you watch red zone or whatever and you're like, "Oh, this guy's pretty good." But I didn't know he had that kind of production. And so uh he he was really good last year and he's still a young player as well. Yeah, I mean Pitts has a chance to be like just right back in the mix here. Um I know yeah. everybody was freaking out. I think a lot of that was fantasy related, but I felt like I don't know, 2 hours into kickoff on Sundays it was just constant bitching about Kyle Pitts. That was uh, 100% fantasy uh, related. <laughs> it it, it <laughs> always was. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Can't go higher than 100%. All right. This, is, uh, this, is, this one's for you. I don't, know, I don't know how aligned we'll be on this one. I kind of just put it together. I was looking at just overall talent, how I felt. I looked at some of the run block, win block, or the, the pass block win rates for some of this stuff. But then, of course, we're also t- talking about turnover at the position. So, uh, give me your top five O-line groups, knowing probably halfway through the season. This is way tougher to predict. Yeah, I don't want to be a fraud here and tell you that I spent the last 72 hours grinding <laughs> O-line film. So let me give a shout out to Brandon Thorne, who is awesome on everything offensive line. He has a substack called Trench Warfare, and I read his stuff constantly, his tweets, uh, his site, and then I form my own opinions based on you know depth charts and that kind of thing. So I just wanted to, to be clear here with that. Uh, I've got Eagles. Browns, Lions, Ravens, and Chiefs. I think there are a few other teams you can, you know, throw in the mix. I think the Chargers are really good. I think the Cowboys have a chance to be really good. I think the Packers have a chance to be really good. Um, but th- those were the five that I settled on. All right. Say that again. I got Eagles, Browns, Lions, Ravens, and Chiefs. Okay. I have Eagles. Now, I don't really know that there's much debate about it. I mean, it may not turn out to be the best offensive unit, but from just a, a talent standpoint, if you go to the ESPN.com executive thing that Fowler talked about, and it's two top five tackles on the same group, um, it's, it's hard to beat that. It's also an incredible amount of depth to tackle. Like when I'm going through all the tackles, God, all these guys I'd love to have. 
You know, you're like at 12 yeah. going, there's so many studs here where any of these guys could be arguing like at the top of the season or at the end of the season, top five. Um, I have Kansas City two. I think Creed Humphrey's just a beast. And I know that their tackle stuff, they've kind of reinvented themselves over and over again. Um, there's probably some stuff that benefits them having Mahomes being able to keep plays open yeah. a lot longer where his scrambling isn't like the Russell Wilson scrambling where it's like, actually, we don't suck at offensive line. This guy just takes a million sacks. Uh, I just, I feel like Mahomes obviously gives you the benefit there. Same thing with Cleveland. Uh, it's a really talented group. So we're on the same page there. I went with Detroit. Um, the tackles, Decker and Sewell, uh, Ragnow allowed one sack last season. Vitae's back. So I think that group has a chance to be in this mix. And then I went with Atlanta. Uh, I know that they yeah. benefit a lot from the run grades because of the way they played offense. Speaking of everybody being yeah. mad about Kyle Pitts last season. But it's, a, it's worth mentioning Atlanta at least because I think they did play that well. And then, of course, Baltimore's in the conversation. I'm with you. Like, Dallas has to be mentioned, but give me a break. I mean, you know how many years I would look at the two deep and go, oh, my God, Dallas, like, figured it out. It figured it out. And then every year it felt like it was kind of disappointing, and a lot of that is because of injuries. Um, I give Dallas a lot of credit for all the years of putting the resources into building that thing out. In theory, that could have been one of the great offensive lines we've seen. It just never felt like it came together. Um, not to say it was bad, but just it never came together, I think, by design, the way they were trying to build that thing out. And now it's getting a little bit later on in the game with some of these guys getting older. Yeah, tackle. I mean, Tyron Smith is an awesome player, but turns 33 and has played in 17 games over the last three seasons. I mean, you, you can't really count on him uh, to be healthy. Their other tackle, Terrence Steele, is coming off uh, of a knee injury. So uh, again, they have a chance. Like if, if we're doing this in week eight and we're going, man, the Cowboys offensive line is just dominating. Have they taken the crown from the Eagles? Like we could have that conversation, but I don't think that's the most likely scenario. And I think your Falcons one is fair. I mean, they run the ball more than any team in the NFL on early down and the offensive line. They invested in that right side uh, in the offseason uh, and they can run block. And that, that's why I had Bijan uh, in my top five with, with the running backs because I think that's what they're good at. That's what they're going to do. Um, if they have to get in situations where they have to pass block, especially with an inexperienced quarterback, uh, it could get a little bit ugly, but uh, I don't think that's how they want to play. Okay, we'll get to the defensive side of the football coming up next. This episode is supported by State Farm. So look, a little rock hit your dude's windshield on the highway. And at first you're like, what is that? I'm like, oh, it's just a little mark. Nope. Now by the end of the ride, it's a big crack. And it had been a while. So I check out the State Farm app. I go, hey, this is what happened. And the funny thing is, is I was like, do I want to go app first or do I call old school guy? Probably should call. I was like, let's check out the app. Not only did it take a minute to get done, they set up the glass replacement. They told me the estimate ahead of time, said, you want to go ahead with it? And I was like, now I understand it's all in front of me, all done. I don't even have to talk to anybody. That's how efficient the insurance game has become. But really the only words you need to remember are like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. State Farm has options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options, to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, just like I did. And even reach a real person when you need to talk to somebody. The app was so good, I didn't even need to do that. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Learn more at statefarm.com. 
This episode is brought to you by Arby's. You know what I hate? Hate is after lunch, there's all this time before dinner. I hate it. So I'm always like, do I do this? It's like, you should. Gain season. Throw in a little something extra. An appetizer that just starts hours before dinner. It just gets so frustrating when there aren't great options. That's where Arby's new two for $5 chicken wraps come in. Available in your choice of ranch, barbecue, and honey mustard. They're perfect for that afternoon snack attack or as an add-on to your meal. Food buddies. Arby's two for $5 chicken wraps are here for a limited time at participating locations. Visit an Arby's near you or order ahead on the Arby's app. Okay, defensive guys. Uh, Remember, this is about kind of your stature in the game going into this season. Uh, where we think you are right now, we'll go edge guys, interior defensive linemen, corner safeties, and then off the ball linebackers. Let's start with the edge guys. Uh, let me just start with this before you give us your top five. This is hard. This yes. this group is stacked. Uh, and I'll give you some examples later on. But, you know, no matter what you do, you're kind of right. But you're also like there's going to be whoever you pick first. There's going to be three other fan bases. Like, are you out of your mind? Yeah. Uh, but it just speaks to how special like four or five of these guys are. So go ahead. Yeah, wide receiver, corner, and edge is the other. I'm looking at my list now, and I'm like, oh my shield. Do you want to you want to change your mind here at the last second and throw that guy in there? He's really good. But I settled on Micah Parsons, Miles Garrett, T.J. Watt, Nick Bosa, and Max Crosby as my top five. <laughs> you could probably. I, I mean, I'm looking at the guys. The guys I mentioned last. I'm like, oh, yeah, that guy could probably be first. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of the point. I wrote Miles first, and then I'm like, wait, you love Michael Parsons. Like, he lines up all over the place. It's incredible. But then I was like, yeah, but when you watch Nick Bosa, can't take your eyes off of him. And I had Bosa one, I have Micah two, and I have Miles three. I have TJ Watt four, and then I put Hassan Reddick fifth. I know his career is like the strangest thing ever. I, I really felt like I wasn't, I felt like I was getting it wrong by putting Reddick over Crosby. Um, but we'll we'll kind of get into it. All right. Why do you not have Bosa one? See, this I sucks pa- because asking yeah. it this way, now you have to talk about like this dude who's one of the best defensive players we've ever seen. Yeah, it, it's really nothing against I just think Parsons is the biggest like game wrecker in the NFL. Like I think if you took quarterbacks out of the equation, him or Justin Jefferson is the most valuable player. If if you had franchises, if you did a poll, maybe we maybe we should do a poll and we're just like who do you want non-quarterback the next whatever uh, 10 years? I think Parsons would be that that guy. I mean, he's he's 24 years old. He's had 26 and a half sacks. Uh, the last two seasons, all the advanced stats are good with him. You watch him. You always notice him when he's healthy. He's just a terror. He, he's un, absolutely unblockable uh, when he's at his best. And again, yeah, you could say that for Nick Bosa. You could say that for the other guys uh, as well. So it's really just a taste thing for me with Parsons. And then the reason I had Garrett also uh, above Bosa is Garrett's the most double teamed player in the NFL. And I think he has a chance. Like I haven't gone through all my preseason awards yet. I think he could win defensive player of the year this year because they added Zadarius Smith. They added some other defensive linemen. Like if they can free him up for more one-on-ones, you're just going to see him put up the most ridiculous numbers you've ever seen uh, for a pass rusher. So I think he has to do more uh, than these other guys, maybe not by like a wide degree, but if you just look at it statistically, he's the most double teamed guy, uh, edge rusher in the NFL. And so I wanted to give him a little bump for still having 16 sacks while getting all that attention. 
Yeah, since Garrett's coming to the league, he's forced 24 turnovers by pressure, which is five more than any other player in the league. Wow. Um, every one of these guys, when you want to highlight something on their resume, you go, well, why would you have anybody ahead of him? And if you go to the .com executive rankings, Bosa got a number one vote at the position. Micah got a number one vote. Miles Garrett got a number one vote. TJ Watt got a num- number one vote. I mean, TJ gets dinged up here a little bit because of the recent injury thing. Uh, I just felt like Bosa, over the course of a game, I kind of knew what I was getting out of him every single snap. Micah's unblockable. So, you know, that's a coin flip. I wrote him down first, and then I thought, I don't know. The only thing I could say, and this probably speaks to the double team, and like I'll never forget um, Haloti Nada coming out, and they were like, yeah, he takes some plays off. You're like, no shit, he takes some plays off. <laughs> Every one of these guys usually like find, you know, other than maybe like peak J.J. Watt and Aaron Donald, where you look for, but if you really want to watch a defensive lineman or an edge guy, especially some of the interior guys, but it's, you're not getting max effort on 70 snaps. You're just not. It's not, like no one can really play that way. And I think there's some feeling around Garrett where if he's closed off, he might be like, all right, I'm, a, but then the numbers don't tell you that he's, that he's, yeah. you know, so that was something I just went from, from a visual, uh, just a visual standpoint on it. And I, I don't know that it's entirely fair. And I felt like no matter what I did with those top three guys, at least right now for those top three guys, I was, for me, I was, I was going to have a hard time, you know, coming up with anything where I was like, I'm definitively like, this is number one and everybody else is wrong. It's just not that kind of category. Reddick is weird because he's got, like the second best pass rush win rate. And then some people can point to the absurd depth in the front seven for Philadelphia and say, well, that's how he eats. But, you know, when you think about his career, which got off to an incredibly slow start as a first round pick, you know, for three years, you're kind of like, what's going on with this guy? And then double digit sacks, Arizona, double digit sacks, Carolina, double digit sacks again in Philadelphia. So uh, knowing exactly what he is in that group, and it just feels tough doing that to Crosby because the last two years he's had a hundred pressures, which is number one in the league. So I don't think you go wrong putting Crosby fifth. You might be right on that one. I guess it just felt like Reddick gets dinged a bit because it took longer for him to be recognized as a Sinpac guy. Yeah, he's got the Reddick has the third most sacks in the NFL over the last three years. And when the Eagles signed him, uh, now I'm like watching film of him every week. And the, I thought the book on him coming in was, well, you have to use him in a specific way. He's not just going to line up and beat the tackle. You know what he did last year? He lined up and just, was just like crushing these tackles. Like you actually don't have to be that creative with Hassan Reddick. So he absolutely deserves a mention. I gave Crosby the nod only because. If you look at the number of snaps he plays, he doesn't come off the field. He's like an old school. They have nobody on that defense. The defense sucks. He gets no help. Every offense comes in and goes, how are we going to block Max Crosby? We really don't have to worry about the other 10 guys. Their defense is one of the worst in the NFL. And he still gets it done. And he still uh, improved. So um, only 26 years old. That surprised me. I, th- I thought Crosby was like o- was older than that. But um, they're, they're both great players. I-, I just gave Crosby the nod because of what he has to do and how many snaps he plays I think there's kind of a, a value in that sort of reliability. That's such a great point about the rest of the defense. And the way he gets upfield, he just, he's nasty. You might be right about Crosby versus Reddick there. All right, uh, corners. This one's all over the place at the top. And I do have a bit of an NBA rule on this one for me, where it's like, this is a Sauce Gardner rule, where I just don't think I can put you number one after only one season. 
Uh, but let's see what you did. I'm going to put him number one. <laughs> I think he's awesome. He, he allowed this. That was wild. Allowed 54 yards on 152 snaps of man coverage last year. 54 yards as a rookie. He's physical. Uh, he led the NFL 20 passes defended last year. He's going to be 23 years old. I love the personality and all that stuff. I love that he plays for the Jets. So I had Sauce One. I thought it was a two-horse race for number one. Uh, I had Patrick Sertan. Number two, I think he's the other guy when you're looking ahead to this year. Uh, he's just he's just awesome. He's young. He's probably the premier cover guy uh, in the NFL. So I had him too. I had Jalen Ramsey, three, not coming off of his best year, but now he goes to Miami with Vic Fangio. He's still 29. He's still versatile. I'm excited to see how they use him. I think he's going to have a good year. I had Marlon Humphrey four, who I think is, you know, uh, I, I don't know who's overrated and underrated. It feels like he's probably one of the more underrated players uh, in the NFL. Just can cover, can tackle, physical, competitive, uh, all those things. And you know what? I'm calling my first audible of the podcast, Ryan. I, I had an, I had Jair Alexander written down. I'm going Trevon Diggs. I know there's controversy over Trevon Diggs. Uh, he, you know, he piles up the interception numbers, but he gets beat in coverage. I think the guy can cover. He's 25 in September. He has 17 interceptions over the last three years. You look at the way NFL defense is played nowadays. It's like you got to create turnovers. You have to make plays. He has 49 passes defended uh, last two years, second among corners. So that's my first audible of the podcast. Jair Alexander, you're, you're a great player. I still love you. You're, you're worthy of making the top five. But I'm going to go ahead and put Trevon Diggs up there at number five. Okay, so sauce number one, uh, defensive rookie of the year. That yardage. What is that yardage stat again? That was insane. Yeah, 50. He played 152 snaps of man coverage. This is a, a pro football focus or true media. And he allowed 54 yards on those 152 snaps total, <laughs> which a rookie. That's yeah, that's ridiculous. OK, I have Ramsey one still. I would agree there's some slippage there and there can be time. But see, this is where it gets a little unfair is like. Do I remember the stuff with Ramsey where it doesn't work out more than, say, somebody else? I mean, think about the all 22 and all the stuff we don't see if you're not watching it consistently of like, oh, this guy actually like screwed up. I think with Vic Fangio, he's going to be awesome. It's eight straight Pro Bowls for this guy. And it, it's a bit more of the established player who I'm going like, I just don't know that I can put a rookie after one season as the number one corner in the NFL, although that may be sauce. Um Sertain actually was number one on the ESPN.com one, which kind of shocked me a bit. Uh, his 12.5% target rate is the lowest among qualified corners. So to my point earlier of like targets and opportunities, he's basically targeted, but there's a reason. Now you could get into it like hey, Denver wasn't that good. He didn't have to get into a lot of shootouts. You know, we can go around and around on a lot of this stuff, but I have him third, even though other people had him one. I love the Jire Alexander call until you yanked it. When he's <laughs> right, I love that guy. Um, I don't have Humphrey. I would agree that he's incredibly underrated, and yet I guess I'm going to do it too. And for the fifth spot, I put Darius Slay down. 133 pass breakups uh, since he entered the league 10 years. You're the Philly guy, so why am I wrong about having Slay fifth? Well, I think he's 
32 years old. And so I was just, uh, corner is also like running back. Corner is a young man's game. You look at the corners who really play a lot of snaps over 30, and there's probably fewer than 10 of them in the NFL. So if I'm just looking at who do I want for 2023, uh, I'm going to go for the younger guy. Slay was great. Honestly, if you look at a lot of the stats, Bradbury will, would be a top five guy if you're just going off of last year. Like I think he made all pro uh, last year, so he deserves to be in there. But he, he's also another guy who I think turns 30 this year. So yeah, I, I was definitely leaning towards the younger guys. Um, a couple other guys I left off. Marshawn Lattimore, like sort of feels forgotten, still like an, an awesome corner, asked to do a lot, by the way, um, you know, in, in that scheme. Uh, and then the other guy I had was Denzel Ward on the Browns, who I think is, I feel like he probably hasn't quite put it all together. But if you're telling me who's a corner on this list, who we're going to be talking about in December as an all pro who we didn't mention yet, uh, Denzel Ward would probably be that guy because he's got all the skills. And I think that defense is going to be a lot better this year. Love Denzel in college. Loved him. Loved him in college. and. I feel like my evaluation of him is that he can't just be good. Like he has to be special because I thought he was going to be special. And I, like I felt he was totally worthy of the pick here. Um, but the sauce stuff, man, it's, it's tough to deny. But then again, you know, if you're, who was it? Was it Revis? Oh, no, no, no. Who was going off about him? Be, oh, it was Asante Samuel tweeted, right? Who can never win when he tweets. Cause then everybody's like, you dropped the interception, dude. Like it, it sucks for him because what did he career, say? I didn't even see. He see basically he said, said if sauce. you play if you play in New York, you get pumped up and like there's no way Sauce is is number one the whole time. Oh, okay, uh, <laughs> corners are are tough for me because unless it's like my favorite team when I used to care about the Patriots outcomes, and you're watching a corner every single week and you're really watching. Yeah. And again, we still there's so much stuff that we miss. Like I used to think back in the day, if you had nine interceptions. Everybody talk about how great you were as a corner. Speaking of Asante Samuel, and yet you'd be like, eh, I think he's all right. But yeah. he just has a lot of picks. Maybe back to your Diggs point. I'm sorry on the Diggs thing. I completely disagree. I, I've just seen too many times where he jumps stuff looking for those numbers. And you're like, what about the rest of it? Like, what about the rest of the stuff? Where I think the group that we have here, uh, I, would, I don't think Diggs is as well-rounded as these other guys we're talking about at the top. Yeah, it depends what you're looking for. If you want to playmaker, he's the premier playmaker uh, at quarter in the NFL. He gives up big plays. Now, he gave up fewer big plays last year than he did uh, the year before, and he's still young. And I, I view it as like he still can. Like if you asked him, I don't know that he could. He's he's not obviously not wired that way, but I still think he has the skill set. Uh, if you were just like, all right, don't give up big plays. Uh, we want your coverage stats to be good. We don't care if you get your hand on the football. I think he would be able to do that, but I want my court, like, I don't mind my cornerbacks to be uh, a little aggressive and give up some of them. I mean, they've had what a top five defense the last two years. So he's not obviously not killing uh, their defense with some of that gambling. So yeah, Diggs is the most polarizing guy on this list. There are a lot of people I respect who would be like, what are you doing? Why did you make that uh, pick? But uh, I I'm on team, team Diggs. I, I, I think he's really good. I think he's only going to get better. Okay, two more, uh, three more positions to go here. Let's go interior defensive lineman. Okay, uh, I'm still giving it to Aaron Donald, number one. I've got Chris Jones, two. Quinn and Williams, number three. Jeffrey Simmons, number four. And Dexter Lawrence, number five. That's crazy. We have the same top five, not in order. Uh, Donald, I don't want to hear about him slipping a little bit. He's still... yeah. Like if you're if you're comparing Donald to prime Donald, okay, you got me. If you're comparing everybody else who plays the position, he's still the best at it. Uh, I love what Chris Jones has done. Because remember, they were moving him around at different times. Uh, showed up big in the playoffs. 
he's another one where he probably gets dinged a little bit more because you feel like there's some some effort range at times with him. But I, I just still think with some of the bigger dudes that are playing these positions up front, um, you can't get on their case as much as I think people can. But I still have him too, so I'm not going to worry about it. I love his game. I have Simmons third. It's funny, on PFF, they graded him out 10th going into the year. Um, you know, we can play the injury game with over 60% of these guys that we're bringing up. Well, hey, this guy actually had an ankle thing. Oh, this guy had a shoulder thing. When you go through all of the players and there's a dip in some of the production, I mean, it's the same thing over and over again. I love his anger. I love that I see him. Maybe it's the red sleeves. I don't know. But like when I'm watching a game, I see him the entire time. Uh, Dexter Lawrence, some of the pass rush stuff from where he's playing from, some of those numbers yeah. are off the charts. Like when you really started realizing how special that front was and, and how great of a year he was having with the Giants and that he's this young, back to your point, a lot of this stuff. I remember going like, man, I can't even believe these stats are this impressive for what they're doing. Uh, Quinn and Williams and Dexter's probably just a taste thing, coin toss. I think more people probably say that Quinnen has more talent uh, coming out of school. It was like, this guy's really special. Not that Dexter didn't have quite the resume himself. Um, that one's a bit of a coin toss there. So no argument on four or five if you had it the other way. Yeah, they're, they're both ascending players. They're, they're both young. I mean, Dexter Lawrence, what he has to do, and he's playing nose tackle a lot of the times, and he still led all interior defensive linemen last year with 30 quarterback hits. So he, he really exploded last year. That's another one where he's really only had one great season of pass rush production. So if you're saying, well, you know, you want to give it to somebody with more of a resume, like a Javon Hargrave, uh, Jonathan Allen, DeForest Buckner. Again, this was, this was one where there were a lot of defensive linemen who were worthy, but I think he's an ascending player. And same thing with Quinnen Williams. I mean, he's 26 years old. This is a position where guys routinely don't kind of hit their primes until they're in their mid to late 20s. Like interior defensive linemen rarely come into the league and are good right away. And then, yeah, the Chris Jones thing to me is always funny. Like a guy sitting on his couch looking at Chris Jones getting double teamed in like 85 degree uh, weather. Oh, well, he didn't go hard on that three yard run there. It's like, settle down like when it's when it's third down he'll get in there um and he's gonna make a play so uh i'm with you they actually love when the uh cornerbacks and wide receivers need a breather and they're and and they're like dude don't block me i won't go make the tower yeah you know they kind of daff it up like we're both gonna breather right here so that's the only time i can relate to an nfl players when they're doing things like that okay safeties Safety was so hard. I mean, uh, it's really, this is another taste one. W what do you want your guy to do? Uh, I had Minka Fitzpatrick one, Derwin James two, Justin Simmons three, Kevin Byard four, and Buda Baker five. If I wanted to, if you were like, Shield, we need you to do something, like we need like a social breakout or something, the guy I would have picked would, I'd be like, Kyle Hamilton on the Ravens is going to have a monster year and I don't even need to see it uh, before I predict it. He's going to be a top five player because I, I think he's going to be really good for Baltimore, but uh, couldn't do that based on his, you know, one year body of work playing the slot last year. Yeah, Simmons is a nice pick. I, I had him down and I went, Man, when like when when they were good, right? And that unit was good. I mean, he shows up all day, right? Yeah. And you know, he missed games last year. So that's where this this weird group because I have Minka first, I have Derwin James second. The combination of run, his coverage, and the pass rush grades are absurd for him. He like ranked it like I think he graded out like a ninety one last year. Bayard has been steady, steady, steady all the time. 
uh, even if he didn't feel like he's got as much love last year. Uh, Buddha, another dude who can literally line up everywhere for them, despite his demands of wanting to get out of there. Uh, I went with Javon Holland. I know he wasn't as good in 22 as he was in 21. Um, I went with him over Micah Hyde, who, you know, coming off a significant injury, a little bit older, but I love him. Um, I think Winfield still gets mentioned if you were kind of yeah. trying to, if you were reaching for like four or five a little bit there. Uh, but Simmons is the one I struggled the most with because it kind of came down to him and Holland. And one guy, there's an excuse for his drop off in Simmons and the other one for Holland. There, I don't really know that there is as good of an excuse. I just thought he was so good two years ago and he's young enough that I'm like, you know what? I don't think he's going to be bad all of a sudden. So I put him fifth and with the new defensive coordinator, which we've already yeah. referenced with Ramsey. Yeah, Holland's a great pick. I mean, I, th- I think he's really good. And if we're looking, again, we're looking at this year, a guy who could take off and we're all talking about him as like an all-pro type player. Uh, I think he absolutely could be that guy. So I think that's a fine pick. Uh, you mentioned Winfield, just like really, really, really good. But just maybe like a small notch between, I, like I think Minka Fitzpatrick is one of the defense, best defensive players in the NFL. Derwin James might be the most versatile defensive player uh, in the NFL, so I couldn't quite get there uh, with him, but yeah, he's also, uh, like, uh, I would love to have him uh, on my team, and he's only 25 years old. Okay. Um, this one, our last group here, I'd, I'd argue that this is the Mahomes and everybody else quarterback tier. Because when I watch Fred Warner, he is one of my, I don't know, five favorite players in the entire league. Like when you yeah. first started, at least for me, I can only speak for myself, but you're like, wait, what's up with this guy? And when you just watch Fred Warner, it is so much fun. Um, his instincts, that he's around everything, that it feels like, you know, he's, he's kind of this traditional linebacker at times, you know, this position that's, that's, I don't know, there's just not the depth that, that there is at these other spots. This one got a little tougher, but for me, I'll let you go here. I felt like the gap between him and number two, like I, I felt like he had as good of a chance for his positional group being the undisputed number one guy uh, of any of these groups that we're talking about. That's how special I think Warner is. It's a good call. The Mahomes category. It's like, even if you're, if you want to have the hottest take on the NFL, like you're not going after this guy. Like Mahomes is like, no one's coming out being Mahomes isn't that good. And I think Warner's the same guy, just universally like, all right, stay away from that one. We all will just acknowledge the guy is amazing. Best linebacker, best cover linebacker, uh, in the NFL. So yeah, I've got him as a clear cut number one. I had like, this is the only category where I'm like, I'm having trouble finding five guys I really, like here. And a lot, <laughs> some of that is that a lot of the really good linebackers over the last decade are now like 32, 33 years old. And I'm like, I don't want to put them in there. Line, linebackers uh, don't age that well. So I went Warner one, Roquan Smith two, Shaq Leonard three, Matt Milano four, Tremaine Edmonds five. And so like, think about that top five. Like I put Shaq Leonard three, who I love as a player. We don't know if he's going to like He's had two back surgeries. Like he played the three last games year. last year. Like yeah. I couldn't do it, despite yeah. the fact that when he was healthy, <laughs> I mean, he's he's maybe challenging Fred Warner here just because the yeah. turnover make you know 100%. plays alone. Uh, and then uh, and then Tremaine Edmonds, I'm like, 
Shield, you spent the entire offseason ripping the Bears for paying Tremaine Edmonds $18 million <laughs> per year, and now you're putting him in your top five linebackers. Hopefully no one's keeping the receipts on your Tremaine Edmonds takes this offseason, but I'm like, all right, I'll talk myself into it. He's 25 years old, coming off his best year, so I think he's overpaid. I would not have given him that contract, but when I was just trying to find young linebackers, he's the fifth guy I settled on. All right. Um, one and two are the same. Roquan has got, what, 690 tackles since he entered the league, second most linebacker. Um, I had to put Milano in here. Again, it's a bit more of an eye test thing where I just feel like when I'm watching Matt Milano games, I notice him for three-plus hours. Uh, obviously, not when he's on offense. Um, you know, I wanted to put C.J. Mosley down in this group. But then I kind of gave the tie break to Nick Bolton. I wrote Shaq Leonard down six, but after the three games and significant, like scary stuff injury wise, yeah. I was like, yeah. okay. So I've got Warner, I've got Roquan. I flirted with Tremaine Edwards. But then I was like, so what? Yeah, but <laughs> like he just left and went somewhere else. Um, I'm going to go with this. You're going to kill me for this because he's 34. But Demario Davis is still awesome. Yeah. Okay. Love I mean, that's, no, that's, that's I'm not, not breaking kill you. news. Yeah. Uh, fourth all pro season last year at 34. I, I think there's certain guys that just find a way to continue to hold up. Like it can happen. So I'm not going to put five guys ahead of Davis based on what we saw last year, just because he's 34 years old. I'm just, I'm not. So there you go. So I've got Warner Smith, Davis, Milano, and I went Nick Bolton fifth. I like both. Yeah, Bolton was on my list of just didn't make it. If I was looking for a young guy, Demario Davis, I actually pretty sure on this spreadsheet I'm looking at had him in the top five. And then I'm like, he's that age. Can you really put him in there? But awesome player, probably, a little, you know, I, I was going to say underappreciated, but you just told me he's an all pro for four years. So I guess he's been appreciated. Uh, Levante David is another guy probably in that Demario Davis category where he's older, but he's still really good. Uh, you know, the hipsters like my uh, our friend Ben Solak loves like David Long, who is now with the Dolphins and was with the Titans as kind of a young linebacker who's really going to emerge this year. So uh, there are different names. But yeah, I, I didn't have five that I'm like, you know, every other position I was keeping guys out who I thought are just unbelievable players. This was the only position where uh, I, I was having trouble filling out the five with guys who I thought the, the, all these players make an impact every week. Yeah, because when it got to like four or five for me, I was I was coming up with more arguments against everybody. And then when yeah. I looked at the Demario stuff again, I'm like, all right, and he was second team All Pro, but he's been All Pro now four straight seasons from 30 years on. Like that doesn't make yeah. any sense. Yeah. So if he if anyone can do it, I'd imagine he's going to do it. He doesn't miss games. He doesn't miss games. Uh, and I I just felt like he had to be there fifth. And if I was pushing guys ahead of him, I was only doing it for age. And if we're talking about just going into this year for this year, it's not like I'm giving him a five-year contract with three years of guaranteed money. So yeah. uh, there you go. 2023, you're all geared up and ready to go. You can forget about it in August, and then we'll bring it back to week one. Thanks, man. All right. Thanks for having me. This episode is brought to you by Hulu Plus Live TV. Looking for a better way to watch live TV? Stream your favorite sports and shows on over 95 live channels with Hulu Plus Live TV. Get access to Hulu's entire streaming library, Disney Plus and ESPN Plus, all in one plan. Start your free trial of Hulu Plus Live TV today. Live TV plan required. Restrictions apply. Access content from each service separately. Learn more at Hulu.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. 
When I went on my last holiday to Cape Town, it was amazing. My friends were there, the weather was phenomenal, and most importantly, the food was fantastic. But one thing I struggled with was finding the right places to stay. You know, all I want is a great bed, a fantastic shower, and breakfast that doesn't end at 8 a.m. I'm on holiday, I'm still sleeping. I also like ease, and the Hotels.com app easily helps me to find a perfect hotel for every trip. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly getaway or a relaxing spa weekend, on the Hotels.com app, you can compare up to five hotels side by side. Now, why would you want to do that? So you can see prices, amenities, and star ratings. And best of all, you don't have to switch back and forth between options. See? Ease. So, start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app today. You want details? Fine. I drive a Ferrari, 355 Cabriolet. What's up? I have a ridiculous house in the South Fork. I have every toy you can possibly imagine. And best of all, kids, I am liquid. So, now you know what's possible. Let me tell you what's required. What's up? It's Life Advice. The email address is lifeadvicerr at gmail.com. Also, a Friday feedback episode that will drop in August uh, when I attempt to get out on the road here a little bit. Uh, FridayFeedbackRR at gmail.com. What's up to the guys? Good weekends, everybody. It's great. Went and saw Oppenheimer. It's fantastic. Don't want to uh, know anything about it. I, I'm not going to tell you anything about it, but uh, loved it. A little bit of a different speed, but uh, three hours, fantastic. Married life's great. Spent 200 bucks at the container store. Now we've got <laughs> containers. And then we get to rearrange where we put all our things in the containers. Um, and then we went and got wine. So big weekend. <laughs> that's like the, that's like the, uh, what is it? Like Frank the Tank from old school is like, Got a big weekend plan. Got to go to uh, you know Home Depot, maybe Bed Bath and Beyond. Don't know if I have enough time. I woke up like halfway through that thing. I'm like, what the hell is going on? All right, this is like this is a one off weekend though. So, what do you mean uh, you woke up halfway through it? Like, like I was came, just like I was there. To? Like I, I was like woke up like in the Matrix. You know what I mean? When Neo wakes up, you're like, what the fuck? And like I knew I was going to you know I knew I was going to the container store, but I was like in the container store, and I'm like. I'm holding like a $50 clear bin. And I'm like, why? Wait, why? Uh, but uh, it's all right. I got out of there for 200 bucks and uh, <laughs> went to the clearance section. And then um, it, it's just, it was a store I didn't, I didn't see myself being in on a Saturday, you know? But, People um, love storage. I don't these think days. we need to go back there. I feel like storage is as hot as it's ever been. Like now I see all these things on like Instagram and TikTok of like people, they'll put things that are already in containers in like different labeled containers. Oh, and you're like, yeah, that, that shit is so precious. What are we doing? Fuck that. That's crazy. <laughs> And they have like the yeah. label makers. She was thinking about it too. She was like, "Oh, you know what? I could get, I could get like jars for all like the, you know our spices and shit." I was like, "No, no, we bought them in jars." You know what I mean? <laughs> She's like, "No, but like glass ones." I was like, "No, I'm gonna stop you right there." Oh, uh, you get the you need to open up the sliding drawer and you got them all like lined up there. People love that shit. Oh I don't. Yeah, I, don't I did know. reclaim my linen closet though. That was that's been nice. Good for you. Thanks. What was like happening to it prior to the reclaiming? You know, actually, it was um, all the bags of gro like grocery bags and stuff uh, that we had bought over the years. We just we save them, right? Or that that you buy them, but that you know, I guess you, they charge you ten cents for them now. But you save them, and it was just like different, like a shopping trip, different shopping trips of bags just shoved through any everywhere in the closet. And then we had like old aquarium stuff that we finally got rid of. But um, you got like rid now, of the aquarium stuff. Tough yeah, yeah. The single guy stuff. It was time to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing that says serious relationship more than a guy selling his aquarium. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just put it on the street. I'm sure it'll be. It's it's gone already. So, oh, there you go. I had I had an aquarium. 
when I was in college. And as somebody who's moved quite a bit, Oof. moving with an aquarium is the worst thing. The, the only other thing you could have is like uranium. You're like, careful with that. <laughs> I know think cleaning be- it sucks too. Cleaning it was terrible. I hated that. Yeah. We, There's no we easy way to do it. We didn't really do it. We had a we had a fish tank in college. We wanted to get like a cool, you know, like the saltwater one to get the bigger fish, but then we realized like how much of an endeavor that was. So so we just got yeah. the freshwater little fish and definitely got neglected, unfortunately. My it was guy all champ. green. Yeah, it's just gross yeah. in there. Poor I think guy. We left on a break and you know that was pretty much the end of that. That's how the that's how all the fish die. You go home for a week and you're like asking a guy, like, hey, can you just don't feed too much? You know what I mean? Because you know that and he's like, Yeah, sure. Come back, he's dead. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we had a horrifying deal. Our our buddy had a massive snake, and he would leave like a really large hamster for it to eat, and then Overtime. go away for Christmas break, like because he had it down. Like he was like, "It's fine," and it used to escape all the time, and it would escape in our house. And then one time, a guy found it like in the VCR slot. He went to put a movie in, and the snake like popped its head out, which wow. obviously wasn't the greatest greatest deal with him everybody was kind of cool with it though like it just used to it, some guys were freaked out by it but it did become kind of like a thing that you're like oh he's you know sully nah. grab your snake and then uh when it disappeared after the break we were like what is going on and then dudes are starting to get a little freaked out because the house was probably not up to code we're like i do not need like a drop ceiling panel falling on me with a snake <laughs> you know indiana jones style i don't i don't need that and then it was like another couple of weeks went by. We're like, no one knows where it is. Like, this kind of sucks. But like, he's like, dude, I can't call it. It's not a dog. And then we did find it dead later on. And it looked like it had a hard time digesting this large hamster because there was like a hamster imprint in the snake body. And the snake was dead. And my friend yeah. Sully cried. So. Damn. Don't yeah, do I that. I feel like a loose, loose snake is a tough one. I don't know if you want a loose snake. <laughs> God damn it. I can't imagine. <laughs> I can't imagine. Honestly, thinking back. Yeah. Thinking back, like I think everybody, now that I think about it, dealt with it rather well. The psychological I mean, shit right. of that. It's got to be like when they do those pranks in school and they like, you know, paint numbers on three chickens and it's like one, two and four. And everyone's like, where the fuck is three? Uh, it's just the psychological uh, you know, the psychological like, where the fuck is this snake? Am I, you know, is it in the toilet? You know? One of my best best friend's sister bought a house and, you know, like, you know, you have to disclose some stuff. You don't really have to disclose everything. It's kind of shady, actually. So they end up moving in. They realize they have this like black snake infestation in their basement. And I guess they call somebody like, see how bad it is. Like put some flour down on the floor and then like, you know, you'll see all the impressions or whatever. So they did that. And then like the next day they come downstairs and there's just the flowers moved all over. They have, they're just like obviously dozens and dozens of snakes and they're getting in through the, you know, the cracks in the foundation. And it's just, I'm like, you have to move. Like what what else? And they're not dangerous snakes, but I'm like, no, no. If they start coming upstairs, like, yeah, I'm out. Like, I'm sorry. Like it is what it was just going to take a loss in the house. And that's it. Sorry, honey. Imagine though, like you're just, you're okay with it. Like you and your wife, whatever, you know, maybe she's from Vermont and you're just like, yeah, it's fine. It's not Nature. a big deal. Then when guests come over, you're <laughs> like, sure you're hey, we have a seal on that door when you close yeah. it. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Hey, just in case you shower, there's usually like some snakes, but it's not a big deal. Like they're yeah. fine. They're harmless. They're friendly, actually. Yeah. yeah. Now, thinking back, <laughs> I can't believe it wasn't a bigger deal because the snake was massive. And what kind of snake even, was it like? Was it like I, a, I don't even know what people have for snakes. I don't, I don't know. know. It was right. big. But if it wrapped around your arms, sometimes you'd go way nervous. Minute. Like this <laughs> right. is getting a little weird. And then I think he even told us like one time he had to like pull it off of his arm. It was like really going for it. 
Um, and then I think there was also one of the roommates was actually like, hey, dude, we got to find that snake. Like it was bumming <laughs> right. him out way more. But we were all such dicks back then because I think we were 20 in this house. We were just such dicks like the guy that would expose his weakness. Yeah. The guy that actually was like, hey, I'm actually not super into the idea. There's this six foot snake. <laughs> My mom's coming next through week. the house right <laughs> now. Maybe? Like, can, <laughs> can we call somebody? Then then everybody else would just pile on that guy. Yeah. Like, Whatever, dude. It's not a big deal. It's always missing. It's going to come back. What are you scared of it? Like, so everyone would be afraid in that scenario to admit what the reality is, is like, we need to find a solution to this before something bad were to happen. Or I don't want to wake up with a thing in my bed. Like, even if you're okay with it, that moment would be horrifying. And yet, yeah, one of the guys was like, dude, we need to, we need to figure this out. And we're like, whatever, it's fine. It'll be back. Not a big deal. And then it was dead. So he didn't even have to worry. He was probably dead the whole time. The time we got back. Uh, all right, here we go. Uh, a couple submissions today. Wedding apology. Last weekend, I was in a wedding for my brother-in-law. Not sure why I was invited to be a groomsman as we don't have that type of relationship. Wow. During my wife's speech, she brought up how she knew my brother-in-law was the one for her sister. So again, this is okay. a guy, right? Um, uh, right, yeah. right. Um, the sister of his wife and then... Right. Okay. Um, she knew that my brother-in-law was the one for her sister because of our dog, who can be a little grumpy, was all lovely towards him. During that part, I made a comment to my table with her parents that my dog is an asshole. <laughs> Thinking nothing of it, I went on through the night and left early to pick up our kids. Three days later, my wife received a text from my father-in-law explaining that I need to apologize to the family. And what was I thinking making that comment? I'm kind of over the mafia Don mentality of my wife's family and really don't want to apologize. Was it a dumb comment? Sure, but enough to have a sit down and apologize to my whole family? It's not, in my opinion. What should I do? Uh, I'll, I'll tell you right now, there was, I'd like to, well, I, we don't need a follow up. You being surprised that you're invited to be in the party as a brother in law, even if you're not friends, that's pretty standard operating procedure. Okay. Really? Yeah. It, it's, not a, it's not a rule. But there are tons of wedding parties where I've been to where the groom is not boys with somebody that's in it, but it's just understood because of a sister relationship. Oh, you, I'm marrying you. You have one brother. We're going to throw him in the wedding party, even if he's the dude who like hasn't gone through all the battles with the other dudes for the last 10 years or whatever. That happens all the time. And for what? you to immediately question why you'd be in it makes me wonder if you're a little harsh. If you're a little rough around the edges in general daily routine, go ahead, Saruti. No, I was just saying, a lot of times it's like a numbers thing too, because like typically there are more bridesmaids than groomsmen. And so you just got to make the numbers kind of work out. So you get some like B level guys in there. And that's what it is. Like it's yeah. not the end of the world. Like and guys just kind of understand that. So that's probably, it's, it isn't that big of a deal at all. I'm just backing you up. Wow. I'm so glad that my wife doesn't have a brother. That would have been, this whole thing might have fell apart in Ocean City. If he had like, <laughs> if he had to come to the bachelor party, he's like, guys, you don't understand. Uh, so anyway, go ahead. Uh, look, I'm with the emailer here that of all the comments that have had to be apologized for at a wedding, you saying your dog is an asshole during the speech, like that line may have played well at a different table. Yeah, I would have laughed. And it's kind of a good line. Yeah. Yeah. And you suggesting that this is maybe a pattern. I'm kind of over the mafia Don mentality of my wife's family. Yeah. Like to have to go to a sit down. 
on this one three days later, I might do the apology just to see what it would be like. Right? Like, why are you so mad? Now, granted, that's going to make it even worse. So the easiest thing to do would just be like, hey, next time I see you, but I don't think I have to like get a babysitter and then shoot over there for the afternoon or change a lunch around to make this happen. <laughs> um, maybe I could do it over the phone or whatever. And then, I mean, that's that's the thing. And it, a lot of it depends on what your wife wants you to do here, right? That's part of the deal. There's other times where I'm like, you shouldn't have to just lose all the time because you're married. But in this case, like, this is not a huge L for you to massage the rest of your life, right? Like you're going to pay a bigger price, not apologizing, despite the fact that I agree with you. Like, unless there's another version of this where it's de uh, delivered a different way, is there other history here? But if for the most part, they're this upset days later because you kind of made fun of your dog as being the through line to the speech, <laughs> right. uh, you know, I, I think they're overreacting, but sometimes we all have to apologize for stuff we don't want to apologize for because the price for not apologizing is going to be way more than whatever small victory you get to defying these guys. But it does seem really annoying, especially if they want like this sit down that you're alluding to. Kyle? Yeah, this is, this is a curb moment. This is Larry David. <laughs> like, this that's is, an this episode, is, right? This yeah. is, that's an episode. That's him. <laughs> nice. Uh, that's that's him. And then you know he probably in the in the apology uh, offends somebody. You know he's like you know I'm sorry that uh, if you were offended, but you know you know that's like the because that's how it feels. It feels like you know it feels like I would even be like you know sorry uh, that I offended you. You know my family we kind of joke about this stuff or something, but it's going to be hard to not <laughs> to not put your own little flavor of. But you know I wasn't really wrong in this apology. But yeah, I wouldn't rush to apologize. I wouldn't call anyone up like it's just next time you see him. I guess you know there's there's so many holidays in a year. I'm sure you'll run into him and then just be like, hey, by the way, you know my wife mentioned that you know you guys were a little upset about this thing, and I'd been thinking about it for a while, so I just wanted to say you know sorry. I didn't I didn't notice an issue with it at the time, but uh, you know I get it was a big day, so sorry. I think that's that's easy. But I would just say if you really are not into this, just watch out for the Larry David style apology where you end up getting in hot water because you're you know you're trying to uh, you know trying to throw caveats in there when you should probably just be like, my bad. Didn't realize that uh, it was such a big deal. Yeah, I think you got to follow your wife's lean on this, like Ryan said, but I, I do find it very odd. I, I think adults making other adults apologize is a really weird thing. <laughs> right. Either you get it and you feel they like don't you mean apologize <laughs> or you just don't and there's animosity. But either way, like forcing an adult to apologize to other adults just like, I get it. Like, you're a kid. You're trying to teach them what right and wrong. Like, right. I'll probably have to figure this out in a couple <laughs> years. Like, point. yeah, go over there and apologize to them. Like, you did something wrong. You're teaching them a lesson. When you're above, like, when you're when you're a married dude, like, we're not teaching any lessons anymore. You just, you're an asshole. You're not you're an just asshole. saying words. And you get point. it or you don't get it. Yeah. So I, I just think I, I reject the entire. So I'm with you. Like, I reject the entire principle of having to apologize to these people. But you're Ryan, you kind of alluded to it. Like there does. It feels like this is a pattern. Like maybe do they do they not like you? Like is do you this curse something a lot? That, yeah. Do yeah. You, like, you know, because I've I had to rein it in around. He's like, hey, just so you know, these guys don't really curse as much as your, yeah. as your family does. And, you know, I walk into her, her uh, grandparents. House, I'm like, wow, look at this fucking room. And it's like, oh, wait a second. Don't don't do that. So, it, yeah, it could be that you're just, you know, culturally different. Yeah, I've never kind of understood, like. The swearing thing, you know, I, I feel like. And I swear too much on the podcast. I don't, I don't mean to. I'm not like, oh, cool. Now I'm not on radio, so I can do it too much. But sometimes <laughs> you have to just drop an F-bomb in there to make the point. All right? 
But I do swear too much, and I, I apologize. But I think it's back to the service industry. You start off washing dishes, prep cooking, and bartending. Get a little thoroughly like that way. <laughs> yeah, ten year stretch. You just you do you swear too much? I feel like people were like caught off guard last week when you went on that rant and you got a little angry and he didn't dropped a couple of you know an f bomb or two and like people were like, whoa, Rosilla, like that was kind of out of nowhere. I don't, I don't think. I don't, I don't feel like you swear too much. I think there, there are definitely pause that like you can over swear and it just completely takes the meaning out of any swear. I don't, I don't feel like we're in that territory. I needed to swear on that filming at the gym rant. To, yeah. Like that's the time where you're like, Hey, you got to swear. But I also, for the parents that listen to the podcast uh, right. with kids, I could have, but it was going to kill the momentum of what I was doing. Right. So I knew from like, not some audible, you know, like here's, you know, ear tone one ten for three credits it's just that i knew the way i was saying that i had to just go right to it but there's definitely some parents i'll apologize to now because i didn't give you any kind of heads up and i just dropped it pretty hard and there's probably some you know earmuff situations with the kid yeah. in the car so um yeah I, I the reason i bring it up is is like a is, is a deal here like if you're talking to somebody's grandparents and you're dropping f-bombs like there's, there's something wrong with you like right. rein it in like figure out in that moment that you can't swear around them. I don't think that should be hard to do. Now, if somebody else were to say, hey, can you not swear all the time in front of my parents or whatever because they don't like it? Like that to me makes a lot of sense. But I also think there's some people who'd be like, well, why? They're adults. I'm an adult. Why wouldn't you do it? Maybe it's a little old fashioned for me to even think that it'd be nice to just not do it so that they don't have some idea of you because then if they don't ever curse and you're cursing like crazy then they're just going to think less of you they just are mm -hmm. it may not be fair it may be stupid to you outdated whatever but i think there's just a level of like hey you're going to meet my family can you not swear don't come in hot i think that's <laughs> i think that's a completely realistic uh request reasonable right yeah reasonable reasonable first right. thing through the door the fucking traffic right. oh my god yeah. assholes almost ran me off the road <laughs> i gotta take a yeah shot. where's the bathroom right. <laughs> yeah or that would be another yeah i mean if you want to so it could be that our email is just like i don't like anybody telling me what to do here on this one <laughs> like i i do think I'm I'm on the emailer side about this thing, but I am wondering if there's there's a bit of a hint here or there with some of the things where it's like maybe you're not the easiest to deal with all the time. Like I'm just surprised you you were upset you were in the wedding. It's like yeah, but that's that's kind of the way it goes sometimes with that. Anyway, all right, I he's probably still better off apologizing for it, but you might be worse off now that I think about it apologizing for it. Because you go over there and within 30 seconds, you're going to be like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm sorry. <laughs> so maybe you do it over the phone standing in front of your wife. Yeah. <laughs> right. She's coaching you with the hand signals and stuff. I mean, it's totally fine to apologize. Just like pull people to the side. You know, but like, hey, man, I like stepped over a line yesterday. Like my bad. You know, won't happen. Again. Sure. Maybe the patriarch or the matriarch you come into, but you don't have to like do it in front of the whole audience. Right. Yeah. Right. Like this isn't a CBA. You're not giving back a percentage of that revenue here. You're not, you're not, you know, like there's, unless you think there is, right? There's something, if I give in now, then down the road, they're going to take this away from me. I, I think it's, I think it's okay to apologize. All right. Let's just get to the next one. All right. Wandering Eye. This is not a rare one. What's up, guys? Huge fan of the pod hitting the gym lately to get the pounds down. So nothing to brag about yet on that front. 
I do admit my problem may border on scumbag behavior, but just hear me out. To be uh, completely honest, I'm in the best relationship of my life. We're going on four years official. She's 11 years my junior. We talk frequently about marriage. Her family likes me. I like them, despite some hiccups with her son. We were fine for the most part. Now the dilemma, I've maintained friendships with several ex-girlfriends and other women and converse with them frequently. Um, Of Obviously, my girlfriend doesn't know about these messages. She would not approve. To be fair, most of the combos are harmless, but they can get out of hand with a few and would probably be classified as cheating by most. I haven't with physically a few? compromised. <laughs> with a few of the different threads I've got going? Yeah. Just a few like of, the, six of horny the five? <laughs> Chains on, but God damn no, it. nothing's happened yet. I haven't physically compromised our relationship since a drunken night two years ago. So you did cheat on her two years ago, but I've been a good boy since she finally forgave me for that one. All right. She found out. But tonight she just happened to see a Snapchat from an ex-girlfriend. She understandably got super upset. The snap in itself was harmless, but TBH, not all of them are. Uh Oh, I love my girlfriend with everything. And I, uh, with everything I got, and I know all caps, she is the one for me, but I cannot help the innocent flirting with others. Any advice from two married guys would be appreciated. And also from Ryan, who I'm convinced is much more of a ladies man than he lets on. Thanks for the pod. Thanks for the advice. And here's wishing you guys continued success. All right. Uh, well, you're going to get fucking caught. I can't believe you haven't got caught yet. Snapchat is devious in itself. Just just as an older man, if you've got a girlfriend yeah. that's 11 years younger than you, you're too old for Snapchat unless you're going to jail. You know what I mean? Like that's there's Yeah, no that would way. be a different email. <laughs> yes. We probably wouldn't yes. touch that one. Yeah. Uh, all right. I mean, the married guys want to go first here. I mean, you gotta, I just go. You got to be done. You just got to be done with talking to your ex-girlfriends. I mean, that's I mean, if you're saying you can't help it, then you just got to stop that. Just stop it. Just fucking stop it. And if the and if the relationship goes away that you're in now, you could pick back up if you're like afraid of of like, oh, if we fall out of contact, I won't be able to pick up with, the, you know, if you got this weird subconscious thing, just, you just have to stop it. You have to stop it. I thought you were like, oh, when I'm out and about, I can't stop talking to women. It's just when you got a hard line to fuckery uh, in your phone and it's Snapchat. It was just like, what, what, what is as an adult? What are you doing with Snapchat, bro? Come on. I really hate to say it, but like if the if the cheating thing wasn't like a like a, you know, come to Jesus moment for you, then I don't think he's going to stop, Kyle. Like, I think this is just kind of who he is as a personality wise. Like he just, he needs that. He needs like the satisfaction of kind of like, even if, even if it is innocent, he has no plans to act on it with his exes. I don't know, man. I don't know. I, well, I feel like the, the, if, I, if I'm trying to stop smoking, why am I keeping cigarettes in the house? You know what I mean? I'm back to smoking, but you know what I mean? Yeah, like, it's that's not the, like uh, it's quitting smoking. Isn't that, I mean, as a non-smoker, I guess you'd be <laughs> better. Yeah, but who, this, are, but who, it's pretty, who else are you it's, letting down? It's notoriously pretty hard to be, to quit smoking though. Like oh, my grandparents, we, oh, yeah, whatever, I'll just stop. You know, it's not that, it's not that easy. I'm just saying, like, if you really wanted to make a go at being like, you know, being proud of your efforts in this arena, then you would you would get Snapchat off your phone and you'd have to be like either stop replying or just be like, hey, listen, I'm going to have to make a real go at this relationship thing. I'm going to try to be an adult and be honest, you know, and not and not be sneaking off to doing this whenever, you know, whenever I'm bored. So like that's if you that just has to stop or just, you know, or leave the relationship. But like. That this is a this is a hard line into into like flirting with cheating is what you're doing. And then you're gonna get you're gonna get caught for cheating without even cheating. You're just gonna be yeah. having weird Snapchat messages. You're not even gonna have any of the 
you know, supposed benefits of cheating. You're just going to look like a, a shady scumbag and her family's all tight and you guys know each other. And then everyone's going to think you're this fucking weirdo because you kind of are because you're not even gaining anything out of this except for that one time that you cheated two years ago. So, you know, you have it in you. She knows you got it in you because you're caught. And now you're just messing around, you know, in the in the beginning stages of cheating or, or so I, this is just it makes so no the moral sense of the story me. is either cheat on her with your, with your exes or just or just quit cold yeah turkey. yeah yeah <laughs> Two okay, okay. Or, or whatever um i mean the the quickest thing to do is which i think men have a hard time doing or they're not honest with themselves not to say that women get it all right either uh but i I've, I've only been a man so i can only really feel good about that perspective but I always bring it back to like, you know, the days of, of guys coming back into town where I would bartend and they may have been like a legend when they were in that town and now they're just old, but they want to see if the cocktail waitress will flirt with them. Like they could be married, they could have a couple of kids, but they need to know that everything else in their life could be great, but they still, and I've repeated this before, but I, I've just, I think it's a really important thing of understanding this is that if you had a good run uh, in your younger years, there's part of you that will always want to know if it's still a possibility. And, you know, some of that's a lack of maturity. Uh, a lot of it's ego driven. You just kind of need to know, and you're getting all of this attention from these exes that helps you make feel, make, helps you make, you know, feel better about yourself. Uh, which is a pretty worthless validation. If you were to really chalk it up, like who gives a fuck? Also, there's a paper trail there. (laughs) Right. Like, you want to marry the girl that you're with, but that day you have a text from a girl that you had something with and she's still thinking about you. It's an ego boost, but it's, it's not like a permanent ego boost. It doesn't really do anything, but apparently you need this shit right now, but it doesn't really add up to anything. This isn't a bank account that's growing with, with interest. This is just a fleeting moment that's far more potentially far more damaging than it is rewarding. Right. So you just need this attention. Um, I think people, I'm not saying you're a narcissist, but like a narcissist would do this and then not even think about the downside to it because it's like, Hey, it's just for me. The other thing a narcissist, and I'm not saying that's you would do is they would never even fathom the idea that it could be happening to them. Right. Like what if you read her text and it was an ex-boyfriend? It was like, remember that time we smashed in Park City? That was so hot. And you were wearing this thing and you just keep going on and on and reading it. Like, how do you feel? be fucking irate because you're kind of selfish emotionally. Um, and, and I'm not saying like you're the only guy that feels this way. There's, there's plenty of dudes that do shit like this, but if you are serious about it, you have to ask yourself like, what will I feel like if she really digs in and reads all of this stuff and I'm telling her, I also want to marry her. And then all of that's ruined and off the table for just this fleeting attention. Like this is like back to the Instagram video. This is the equivalent of like the dopamine of like, why am I watching fucking sodas be organized in a fridge? Right. Why am I watching this stuff? Uh, you, you're kind of addicted to the attention. You're addicted to the game part of it. Um, I don't even know if you have any interest in any of these women and, and bringing, going back to any, apparently you don't, I mean, you're not even single. So I really, you already know it's stupid. You already know you're, you're putting something that's really important to you at risk and you've got to find a way, you know, to just go, Hey, 
I'm seeing somebody or they probably already know or like, hey, it's taking the next step. Or if they don't know, maybe you don't tell them that because then they could get pissed at you. Although after a while, flirty text, you'd think they'd be like, what's going on here? Um, I, look, I just, we all know the answer. I just don't know if you're capable of following through on the advice. I'd like to know the the stats of this too, because from what I heard, it sounds like he said, he said he often texts with multiple girlfriends and a few of them get racy. That's like, it, it sounds like a lot. Like, are we talking like five to seven? Like, are we talking like a range of, of like 10 years you're keeping in touch with? Cause I mean, he said he often texts them and, uh, a and with a few of them. So that's like a percentage of the chunk that he keeps in touch with. A few of them get a little crazy. Uh, so uh, it sounds like you've got a lot of these. Oh, and then one solution I would offer up is you could just block everyone. And then if this relationship goes south and you want to get back in touch with them, be like, hey, sorry, my girlfriend found out she blocked everything. I didn't really have a chance to break this thing off. So you could just go cold turkey and in that way and you just block them. You won't get any messages. And then you have an out if you know if you need to run back to them one day. Yeah, you could try the cold turkey thing. Um, you know, he's clearly pretty addicted to all this stuff, but you just, I mean, I have to ask anybody that's going through something like this, can you weigh the two things? Can you weigh her walking into the bedroom before you even start the day and she got into your phone and she walks in and she's like, hey, we got to talk. Are you ready for that feeling? Are you ready to have that pit in your stomach and then have her leave and it's all fucking gone? All right. Now, there's the fucked up thing is some of you guys would be like, you think you'd be devastated. And then you realize like, I'm not even that, like, I guess I wasn't as into it as I thought I was. Cause yeah. I do think that somebody can be totally into the other person and you can think you want to marry him and all these different things, but you, you can't get off of this attention seeking stuff. Like you can't get past this. So, uh, you've just got to try to think about this moment that hasn't really happened yet to you. And if you can be honest about how you would feel, which is a really hard thing to do, um, you know, do, would you really want to feel that? Would you want to make somebody hurt that bad that thinks they're marrying you? You know, do you, do you think you could even get to that point of like, oh my God, that would be the worst. Like, I don't want to do that to anybody. And that's the motivation to get in front of this before something actually happens, you know, possibly. Or, I mean, there's another part of this, like maybe you're not as serious about this relationship as you think you are because you still seem to prioritize texting with all these people that you used to date. So anything else? I think we're good. All right. Uh, thanks to Kyle. Thanks to Steve. We'll be back Thursday with a live episode. And thanks for listening and subscribing to Ryan Russell Podcast on your Spotify. Bye.